Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelo. It's a pleasure to be with you this week. Through the month of June, we've been discussing property and casualty insurance and how to protect your property and you know, you know, a lot of your life's work of you know, what you've put into your homes, your cars, and everything else. Last week's show, our guest was Rich Houseworth. He's a certified insurance counselor with World Insurance. And Rich did a phenomenal job of giving us an overview of property and casualty insurance, the do's and don'ts of what we should be doing. And there were a few topics that we touched on last week that we thought would be worthwhile to look into a little bit further. And so with that in mind, we've invited Rich back this week to discuss a few more topics with us that are not the ordinary that we typically talk about, but a lot of us face throughout our lifetime. So Rich, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show this week. Welcome. Frank, thanks for having me back. So last week we were talking about, you know, we talked about umbrella policies. We talked about a lot of different things as it relates to our property and casualty insurance. And one of the topics that we touched on a little bit, but it sounded like there was a lot more insight, was the topic of youthful operators, which is, you know, I know that, you know, I have three children. Um, well, they're not children anymore. They've, they're grown. I finally finished paying college. So I'm done. Congratulations. Thank you. So, but what happens is, is that over the period of time of when they were going through high school, I remember dealing with the question of, okay, they're going to start driving, they're going to want a car, and then whose insurance do I put them on, and what are the pros and cons of putting them on my insurance, and then I know people that go out and they get their, their son or daughter their own insurance, and then how does that even work with umbrellas? So maybe let's just spend a little time talking about what should happen, what's the risk, and so forth about these youthful operators. Sure. I guess I guess the things in today's day and age is the fact that it seems like a rite of passage. These kids turn 17, and we have to buy them a vehicle now. And mommy and daddy come in and see me, and they ask the you know six or seven different questions. How do I do this, or how do I do that? And what you refer to as a youthful operator, I'm going to refer to as an inexperienced operator. And the problem with this whole thing is the fact that the cost of insuring that inexperienced operator, the 17-year-old male, for an example, or the 17-year-old female, is that the insurance companies are going to surcharge for that operator because of the inexperience factor. It's been stated that a youthful operator, a male 17, is probably 250% more likely to have an auto accident in the first three years of driving than you and I as as mature adults. Now the question is, is what do we do with that child? So my recommendation to mommy and daddy is to put them on their own policy and to make sure that they have adequate limits, knowing full well that there's an increased probability that that youthful operator is going to be involved in some, God forbid, some kind of an accident. Hey, Rich, you know what was interesting is I remember when um, my oldest first started driving, and I don't know if this still occurs because I'm going back like 15 years now. When he first became eligible and he didn't even have a car, once I put down that he had a license and that, you know, he lived in the household. Correct. They actually put him on actually the most expensive car in the house. And I'm like, wait a minute, he's not driving by car here. I was like, why are they allocating him towards the most expensive car in the house. Well, unless and I thought it was interesting. Unless there is a vehicle available to that child's use 100% of the time, you go from a two-car family, let's say, into that three-car family, um, they're going to assign it to a vehicle. Now, some carriers will assign it to the most expensive car. 
because they're looking to. Or I'm sorry, they're looking to make money. Right, um, and, and they don't, don't. I guess they don't know which car they're going to be driving, exactly. but they want to cover themselves. If mom and dad want to save some money, here's the best way of doing it. First of all, a surcharge for a youthful, inexperienced operator is going to be based on the liability portion of the policy, as well as the physical damage of the vehicle, the comp and collision. You want to save some money? Don't go out and buy that child a new car. Go find a nice used vehicle that you don't have to have comp and collision on, maybe because it's a lower in value. That way the surcharge is only going to be against the liability, and, and we're, we're good. We're, we're in a much better financial position for mom and dad. The other big item here that you also have to know is that in the last few years there's been some new laws that have been enacted by the state of New Jersey, and they're fraud laws. You have to tell an insurance carrier about a newly licensed driver in your household who is going to be potentially using a vehicle. If you don't, you could be sub- subjected to some serious fines. Interesting. That's a great insight. So let me just play back what I heard thus far. So your advice is, is that someone, sh- the child, if they have their own vehicle, should have their own insurance but with the proper liability limits. Or leave them on mom and dad's policy and leave the vehicle I liked always, my kids were given older cars, but they were in good shape, and I put those vehicles on my policy so that I had a higher limit of liability. God forbid that there was an accident, we would have the proper coverage. And I also added my own $5 million umbrella over top of my own kids. So that just added that other one little piece, which is for those of our listeners is... You got the umbrella, but you got to make sure you have the right amount of insurance so that the umbrella works with it. Maybe just take a minute and tell us what that means. Well, what I'm starting with here is this. Um, Both you and myself as a financial planner and as a property and casualty broker, we're in the business of protecting our clients and and making sure that they're properly, they're risk-orientated as well as that there's no chance of them losing money. Somebody who starts out in life very young, start with a million-dollar umbrella. You can buy much higher limits, and I basically advise my clients, you have a 401K, you're starting to accumulate assets, I go for a minimum of $5 million. A $5 million umbrella, two cars on a family, maybe three cars, one house, you're going to be looking at $600 a year. It's not a bad deal, and it's giving you a very nice added layer of protection over your home and auto. Great. It's great insight. You know, just staying with the auto a little bit, um, you and I were chatting a little bit earlier today when you first came in, and you you were telling me about an interesting lawsuit that came up, and it had to do with uh, distracted driving and, you know, what occurred out in Pennsylvania. And, you know, when I think in terms of distracted driving, you know, you can't drive down the road without seeing someone either texting on a cell phone, and then today I left, I'm watching a driver behind me, and she's doing her makeup in her rearview mirror the entire <laughs> ride in. And I'll sit there and I goes like, holy cow, is she ever going to look? And so there is distracted driving going on quite a bit, more today than I've ever seen. Just take a minute or a couple minutes and tell people about this lawsuit that you know came up that you had read about and what that means. My, my new position with World Insurance, I'm spending a lot more time on the Garden State Parkway than ever. And the first thing that it means is I no longer drive with one hand. I now have two hands on the wheel at all times because I'm deadly afraid of what the other drivers are doing around us. Distracted driving, whether you're texting behind the wheel or whether you're talking on a cell phone behind the wheel, 
new studies are showing right now you're four times more likely to get into an accident if you're doing those things than if you're sitting there with both hands on the wheel. It also has been proven by several studies that talking on a cell phone is taking away from your concentration uh, of driving the same as if you had several cocktails before you got behind the wheel and you were legally intoxicated. It is the same loss of, of concentration. What I just referenced to you a little while ago was an interesting article I read just yesterday of two cases in Pennsylvania where both drivers are in fact uh, texting and the other one was uh, talking on the phone, totally distracted. Both of these different accidents caused substantial injuries to uh, different parties uh, that they hit. Uh, There were resulting lawsuits and obviously your insurance would cover those type of lawsuits up to the policy limits um, if they were brought against you. What was interesting was two Superior Court judges in two separate counties in Pennsylvania both rendered to the uh, defendant in these lawsuits punitive damages. Now, punitive damages is punishing those, those drivers responsible for those accidents. But what's more important is punitive damages are not covered by auto insurance. So these judges are now fining those drivers responsible for distracted driving. And if this sticks, and obviously I would imagine maybe one or both parties will be appealing these, but if an appellate division and if the courts uphold this, I have no doubt in my mind that this might be a action that could be spread to other states and other judges using this within rendering their decision. So for all of our listeners, it's kind of an insight for you, which is... Stay you know, off the phone when right. you're behind no texting, the wheel of the no, dro- you know, no texting, no cell phones if you can avoid it. And I would avoid putting makeup on while you're driving on your way into the office and, or and wherever And keep both hands going. on the wheel because uh, uh, I act- I, I, this morning, even coming up to see you, Frank, let me tell you, uh, there were people swer- swerving in front of me. So before we go to the next topic, I'll tell you a funny one, Rich, and for our listeners, I'm driving in one day, and I actually saw somebody one day with a book yes. on their steering wheel. I've seen that before, And I'm too. like, how in the world could you possibly drive a car reading a book? But I've seen that. It, so I have seen it as well. So with that in mind, you know, we'll go to our next topic that I wanted to chat a little bit about that came out of our last conversation, which is the whole rental rent-a-car, you know, which is we're in the summer. It's vacation time. There's a lot of people that will be going to different places, going on vacation, and they're going to rent cars. And as they're renting cars, there's always that one question that they ask, which is as you're renting the cars, do you want the insurance? And so maybe, Rich, you could take a little bit of time and just talk about should they take the insurance? Does their auto insurance cover it? Does their American Express card cover it? What should they be doing or what do they need to know? Frank, the, the first of all, not every auto insurance policy is the same today. There are some um, policy forms out there that sell that are covering auto insurance that will limit the topic of a temporary replacement to only in the event that your vehicle was damaged. So that if you decide to take a vacation to Florida and you're down there for a week and you say, well, my vehicle up in New Jersey, my insurance policy is going to cover a temporary replacement. It's not worth it. Read your policy, first of all, to see whether or not it does, or call your insurance agent to ask that question. 
Secondly, this is only a personal um, viewpoint. This is not a an industry-wide item, but over the last 10, 15 years, several uh, credit card companies in an effort to garner new customers have added a little benefit, and that benefit is that in the event you're involved in an auto accident with a rental car, that they would pick up the damages. They will pay the, the replacement of the vehicle or, or pay for the damages on that rental vehicle. The difficulty that we started to talk with last week was the matter that when that happens and you decide not to buy the collision damage waiver when you rent the vehicle, that you think, well, my gold card from American Express or my platinum card is going to cover these expenses. It may very well do that, but the car rental agency is going to charge that credit card for the amount of your damages. And if your damages were $3,000, they're going to add that to the contract settlement along with the amount of money you owe them for the rental purpose. What I'm basically advising people, if you are taking an average number of vacations a year, um, I suggest buying the collision damage waiver. It is probably going to be $20 a day, no two ways about it. But when you come back, and God forbid you've had a, a little bit of a mishap, they are not going to charge your card for those damages. They're going to accept the vehicle in the damaged condition because you purchased that collision damage waiver coverage. It's a great insight. You know, as interesting as, you know, I just got back. Um, we just went on vacation. I was in Ireland for a week. And um, the other couple that we were with, we rented a car when we were there. And it was one of those, we looked at each other when they asked about the insurance, and we were like, absolutely, we're here in Ireland. They drive on the opposite side of the road just in case we'll take the insurance. So it's like it's Plus worth Plus the fact that when it. you're in a foreign country, they also will ask you, do you want to buy liability insurance? Now, chances are that your personal auto policy in the state of New Jersey is not going to extend liability to a foreign country. Good point. So if you're going to be over in Ireland and you're driving on the wrong side of the road, we recommend, yes, buy the collision damage waiver, but also buy the liability as well. Great insight. So that should help all of our listeners as it relates to some of the auto insurance questions that have come up. One of the questions is kind of a wild card that um, has come up recently is the whole point of identity theft, which is, you know, there's companies out there, LifeLock and things of that nature. And now with technology and the ability for people to hack information, I've had it happen to me once before. As I've had it to me. And so maybe just take a minute and talk about identity theft. Is that on your homeowner's insurance? Could you have it? What should people be doing here? They should be at least asking their agent whether or not the policy they have has it. It is now probably, I'd say, 75% of the carriers are offering a limited amount on a homeowner's policy, which would be like a, a ten dollars or $15,000 limit. Um, they also, the ones that are offering it, are also offering much higher limits uh, for an additional premium. And what we're talking about here is somebody was illegally obtained your driver's license, your Social Security, and it's absconded with some of your assets, uh, which is affecting uh, your, your credit scoring, uh, it's affecting the balance of your checkbooks as well as your credit card balances. Um, you're actually going to a company, a LifeLock or your homeowner's carrier, and asking them to help remediate the situation, eliminate those those bad marks from your credit scoring, uh, and also to try to get some of that money back. Um, I actually have LifeLock, which they have a million-dollar limit, 
but you can get limits in your homeowner's policy up to maybe like 50000 for a small additional premium. And, and I did the same thing. And, you know, some of them, just so that our, our listeners are aware of this, is some of them even take place as it relates to taxes. What they do is they file fraudulent returns in an attempt to get a tax refund sent wow, somewhere else. I didn't else. hear that one before. Oh, no, that's actually what I've seen it occur. It's occurred to me, which is a fraudulent return and the tax refund. So what they're actually doing is they're stealing from the government. Yes. And as they're stealing from the government and so forth, they're getting funds that are getting dispersed elsewhere. And then what happens is you get, you know, notified from the government, you know, that, oh, by the way, you know, you didn't pay your taxes. Or, you know, we we sent this so there's two tax returns that are done. So it's a little scary. So for all of our listeners, I would just tell you identity theft is real. Protect your information. So for all of our listeners, our time is wrapping up here. I'd like to thank our guest today, uh, Rich Housworth. He's a certified insurance counselor of World Insurance. Rich, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks again, Frank. And you've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. If you have questions, you can write to us at the Institute of Responsible Wealth, 2431 Atlantic Avenue, Manasquan, New Jersey, 08736, or email us at info at com. Thank you, and have a blessed week.